Why don't we turn in our Bibles? Uh, thank you for bringing them. I trust that you've brought them tonight to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, <clears throat> we love the Word, and the Word is what changes us, right? Amen. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 1. Are you there? Ephesians chapter 1, and why don't we start with verse 16. I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom. Think about that for a second. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, the Bible teaches that there's lower wisdom and higher wisdom, wisdom of this world, but the higher wisdom is the wisdom of God. But he said he'd give us a spirit of wisdom. I want you to focus on that for a second because God's really been having me settle in there for a while, personally, but also for the, you know, for the ministry, uh, that he would give unto us the spirit of wisdom. This is part of the Pauline prayers. They, they, these are the most, um, this is one of the most important things that you can pray over yourself. Ephesians 1 and 3, and I believe it's Colossians 1 and Philippians 1, if I remember correctly, but, but Ephesians 1 is one of the most important prayers you can pray over yourself and over your children, because let me tell you something. I, I, I'm, I'm a bit hard-headed, and I'm learning. You know, it takes me a while sometimes to, to learn, because sometimes I like to do it my way, like Mr. Sinatra used to sing, but I've, I'm learning that after these years of ministry that you, you can't make anybody do anything. I used to think that that ain't the truth. Right, Willie? Me and you had a pact that we could make the congregation do stuff. Then you went to Africa and you realized that that didn't work. We can't make you do anything. Cults can make you do stuff. We're not a cult. We looked into it, but we decided against it. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Greg was taking a drink. I wanted him to spit it out, but it didn't work. He almost did, but it didn't work. Uh, No, we, we, we can't make anybody do anything. Do you understand? Uh, If a man is drowning and you throw him a life raft, you can't make him take that life raft. You can scream from the edge of the boat and plead with them to take the life raft. But if they choose that that they're not going to take it, you can't. And that's the same with people. You can't make people do things. Do you understand? And neither are we supposed to, and neither does God expect us to, because we don't want to come with force. The gospel is not to come with force of hand and try, you know what I mean? We, we don't go with, with persuasive words of man's wisdom, he said. We're not trying to, what does that mean? Persuasive words of man's wisdom. Trying to, in the natural, persuade you to do things and try to force you to do things. That's, that doesn't please the Lord. That's not right. And some ministries are like that, and they have a, they have a controlling attitude about them, and, and we don't want anything to do with anything like that. What we can do, however, which is the other side of, of, of that ditch, what we can do is we can teach and pray. And this is where we've missed it for years, is we teach, but we don't pray. We must teach and pray for the congregation to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, which means what? The knowledge, what is him? Jesus. What is Jesus? The word made flesh. They need a revelation in him and his word. Notice it's not just his word. He said him because, you know, Jesus is, is his word. He is the same as the word. You're not going to say anything different to his word, but Jesus by the person of the Holy Ghost can also minister to you and give you an inward witness or, or give you an inner voice that you know specific things about your life that you can't find in an exact scripture, but it lines up with the general scripture. It doesn't violate the word. That's the knowledge of him, which is him by him and the person of the Holy Spirit in talking specifically to your life. And believe me, every one of you need instruction for your life specifically on a regular basis. 
and in his word, and they often merge together. He can speak to you about your life by giving you a scripture, but he can also speak to you in your life by giving you something more specific, but that lines up with the scripture. And it could be an inward voice or the majority of time, it is the inward knowing. It is the inward witness. But we need to pray, not just teach. But if you don't teach, Taylor, they're not going to get it. But if you just pray, you can't just pray and not teach. And you cannot just teach and not pray. What the church normally does is teach, but not pray. And that's where the problem comes. Because you can't make people do anything. You can see their life going toward the cliff. And you can know it like you know your own name and you can preach them. And I'm talking about even congregation members can intervene and can counsel and can plead and please, I see you edging. What are you doing? And yet they'll go over the cliff like a lemming following another lemming. You can't make people do anything. But if they can get revelation on things, in other words, if God can show them things and it becomes very real to them, then my job becomes extremely easy because I'm not trying to push. My job is simply to present, but it's not just presenting by teaching, it's presenting with prayer. Lord, we're going to teach, but we're also going to pray for that spirit of wisdom and revelation. So when the people hear the word, they see something, they know something. They're like, oh, oh, okay, because they're not, some people argue even with God, but most people are not going to argue with God. Some are so stubborn that they're going to argue with God. I can't help them. God can't help them. You might have just let those folks go. If you're going to fight with God and argue with God, there's no hope for you in this world. You'll make it to heaven unless you lose your salvation, but you'll make it to heaven. Yeah. Do you understand? But, but you're not going to have any of his flow or his blessings on this earth. When you get up there, you're going to be in class and you're going to be about your hard-headed, stubborn, rebellious attitude because you don't just get to walk around of heaven, do whatever you want, whenever you want. There's classes up there because if you don't learn it here, you are going to learn it there. Amen. In fact, when Jesse said he went to heaven, he said they were, people wanted to go to the throne and they weren't permitted to go to the throne. They weren't permitted because their mind wasn't renewed. Well, my mind will automatically get renewed to heaven. Oh, really? Where do you find that in the Bible? Your mind is not automatically renewed because you get to heaven. You're going to have to learn things when you get there if you don't learn it here. And he said he saw people, large, where people were sitting in classes and learning the Bible and people were teaching them the Bible so that they would understand with revelation knowledge what the Bible said. And only at a certain point when you were, when not, there's no sin in heaven, so it's not purged of sin or flesh from that perspective. I don't fully understand it, but it was like there was a spiritual progression that was required before you'd even be allowed to go to the throne. Yeah. So in other words, not just everybody gets to go and look at God. Right. Now, that's an amazing thought to me. Yeah. Now, I don't have scripture for that for you. I'm just giving you my opinion based on ministers that I, that I trust. I know that, that Randy Greer's a board member, uh, Italian sweet gentleman who just has an amazing prayer assignment. He, you often see women praying more than men typically, but this man is just a real, he's like, a, he's not a Phil Helverson in terms of that level, but he has an extreme heart to pray. And he just he's retired and he just spends hours and hours a day praying for Randy, praying for his ministry. He's like one of his main prayer people. And Jesus took, caught him away and he went to heaven last year. And, and, and when he, when he went, walked through the gates, Doc, Dad Hagen met him and a man beside him. He had never met Dr. Dufresne in his life, but he looked at him and he said, are you Ed Dufresne? And he said he was young and about his mid thirties. And he said, yes, I am. <laughs> and they said, and Dad Hagen said, walk with us. 
And so he walked with them and, and he, he described some of what he saw to Randy. But what really impressed me is that as they were going, they were talking about different things. And dad, dad Dufresne said to the man, he said, uh, he said, we do this every day. Dad Hagen and Dr. Dufresne walk every day and talk because there's still spiritual fatherhood in heaven and they love each other. And they, and they, when I say spiritual fatherhood, I mean, there's still an honor and a respect for those that were in the generation before you. Do you understand what I'm saying by that? It's probably not the same as it is down here, but there is a similarity there because they, they talked and they walked. And he said, we talk and walk in fellowship with each other every day. And then they got, and he said, there was this look like a screen, but he said, it's hard to explain things in heaven because you, you don't have those substances on earth. It looked like a wall, but it was like a screen, but it was like a wall and you could move it. And, and, and Dr. Dufresne said, I'll, sorry, I think it was dad Hagen first. He said, I have to go now. And he, he moved this thing and he walked through it. And the man, this, this board member, he said, I, I moved it and I peeked in and he said, it was the largest structure that I've ever seen. He said, you can't, you can't explain how large it was. It was an amphitheater that probably set millions of people, but he said, there's nothing on earth, there's nothing that you can compare it to. It's like the Sky Dome on steroids times Red Bull times a hundred. He said, it was the largest structure I've ever seen in my life. They were almost, he said, I almost couldn't count the number of people that were sitting there. And Dad Hagen walked upstairs onto a large platform, went behind the pulpit and said, open with me in your Bibles, please, to the book of Mark. And he was teaching people faith and other subjects. Because some of these people from China, they're from other countries. They've got no teaching. They die. Having never heard of this, they need to still learn. You don't automatically just get an upgrade where you know everything when you get to heaven. You got to learn. And he sat there and, and, and the man said, I couldn't, I couldn't believe how many people there were. And then Dr. Dufresne said, come on, we got to go. And so he walked a little bit further with him and Dr. Dufresne said, I have to leave now. And he had the same kind of thing and he moved the screen and the man looked and he said, the amphitheater was just ginormous. And Dr. Dufresne walked up the stairs behind the pulpit and he started to preach. And I thought to myself, doctor never had the crowds that was worthy of him in this life, but every single day he preaches to hundreds of thousands of people in heaven and he is worthy finally of those crowds and he's teaching them about the anointing. You say, well, why do we need the anointing heaven? The Holy Ghost still exists. For a thousand year reign of Christ, you're going to have to know how to walk, walk in the anointing because you're going to be dealing with, with natural bodied saints here and there's, they're going to need healing and dead raising and all that stuff. The anointing is still going to operate at least until what we see in the Bible, till the great white throne judgment. After that, we, nobody knows what's going to happen, but we know we got another thousand years at least. And we're going to be walking in the anointing, maybe in a different way than we do today, but we're still going to be in the anointing. And so people, when they get to heaven, they have to learn. If you don't learn it here, you don't, don't think you're just going to go there and just to do whatever you want. You're going to class and you're going to have angels. They're going to make you go to class. Randy Greer's father was a very spiritual man. And he told me, he said, when my dad was about to go, he had a sense that it was time. See what spiritual people do. They're not taken by surprise. That's for carnal people. But most people are carnal. So we don't hear too many of these stories. But he said, I sense it's my time to leave. You know, everybody tries to talk you out of it, but when you know, don't let people talk you out of it. And he said, it's my time to leave. And then, so he said, I'm going to, I'm just going to set the date and time so that there's no surprises. Charles Capps did the same thing. 
it's getting my time to leave. So he said to his family, he said, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I think it was Friday morning at nine o'clock, whatever. He said, I've set the time. I'm going to dismiss my spirit. And the day before he had an open vision when he was praying and he saw into heaven, he didn't go there, but he saw into heaven and he saw a classroom with desks. And the Lord said, that seat is your seat and we're waiting for you to come. Something along that line. And he said to Randy, he said, I saw the class that I need to take as soon as I get there. My seat is waiting for me. It's time to go. You see, there was things that his dad didn't learn here, but he was going to learn in that class. I wonder who his professor was. Maybe, maybe it was, uh, it was Martin Luther. Who knows? Maybe it was Billy Graham. Who knows? But the ministers down here continue to minister up there. If you're faithful with the assignment. What I'm trying to say is that uh, more than one person has confirmed if you listen to their experience. And he did. He, he, he set the time. He lay down, he gave everybody a hug, he closed his eyes and his spirit left his body. Same with Charles Capps. That's how you're supposed to die. In fact, Pastor Michael Lekedic teaches a course in his church how to die. I'm serious. I've never taught a class like that. Maybe we should. But he actually teaches a course to his congregation about how to die. You don't have to die by accidents. You don't have to die by sickness. You can set the day and time. But you can't do that until the Holy Ghost tells you your race is done, you finish your course, and none of you have, so just shut up about dying. <laughs> Willie, you're not done either. And you're the oldest one here, I think. Maybe somebody else is older, I don't know. But you're not done. None of us are done. But when you get to that point, when you know you're done and God tells you you're done, only when God tells you you're done. And you're not gonna, he's not gonna tell you that at 30, 40, 50, or 60, or probably even 70, because long life hath, will he satisfy us and show us his salvation. And, and we need, there's a lot to do for the kingdom. But when that time and day does come, we don't have to be taken by surprise like a thief in the night. We don't have to dread it. We don't have to go out in an accident or in sickness or in fear. We, we are people of faith and we can actually, when it's time, when it's time and it's not time yet. But if, you, if Jesus tarries and it gets to that point, I expect Willie to set the date and time and say, I'm dismissing my spirit. Amen. And just go on your terms, not on some doctor's terms. Amen. See, no, churches don't teach this stuff because they don't believe this stuff, but it's real and it works. Getting off, let's get back on. There are places to learn in heaven. You don't just know, you'll know, I'm sure, certain things instantaneously, but evidently you don't learn everything just because you transition addresses. If you don't learn it here, you're going to learn it there. Why do I get off on all that? Is because revelation knowledge is not just for the earth. Revelation knowledge is for this life and the next life. If you don't get it here, you're going to have to learn it there. Jesse said he saw one guy coming out of the contraption and, uh, and the angels escorted him somewhere, but he wasn't allowed to go to the throne. But he's born again. And he saw another guy come out of that contraption, Jenny, and he just took off running like a stack, just like a cheetah. And no one stopped him. And he went right, and he goes, you can see the throne. Apparently, anywhere you are, you can see where the throne is. And that man ran right to that throne and knelt down before the Father. But you're not allowed just to do that because you want to. You have to have a certain spirituality about you before. At least that's what people have told me. I'm saying that simply to say this. Why don't we just have a heart's desire to learn as much as we can here so that when we get there, we can get to that throne a bit faster. That we're not limited because our minds are, not, are messed up with stinking thinking. 
And so we need revelation knowledge here. So read that verse with me again. And it says that the, the God of our Lord and Jesus, Christ, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding, what does understanding mean? Your understanding is your mental faculties. If you understand something with your mind, then you can act on it with your body. Do you understand? You have to be able to have mental understanding of things. I know it's a silly example, but you know, babies can't be punished because they, they poop their diaper. They don't understand. Their understanding has not been enlightened at a certain age. They get it. My dog, when he was a puppy, we had him. Same time as Luke was born, it was hell on earth for three months. He, Luke screamed day and night, and the dog peed and pooped day and night. And it was a hard season. I remember Jenny and I, we said, one of them is leaving. And uh, we took a vote, and Luke won, and Ollie didn't win. But then we said, no, we'll keep the thing. But we called the dog whisperer because we were so at the end of our rope. And he came over to help us train him in different things. And one thing he said is he said, because uh, the baby was there, I don't know if you remember, but he said, you can't get upset with the dog. Just like you can't get upset with your little baby. Your little baby doesn't understand anything. And the dog is a baby. He doesn't understand anything. He said, let me prom I promise you something. And it's not based on breed. It's just, it's innate in animals. He said, six months. Give your dog six months. And be gentle with him. Don't be firm with him. He told us how to do it so that we would do it firmly but gently. And don't ever hit him. And don't scream at him. And don't do these things because that's not how they respond. But with, with, with verbal commands and showing him what is right and wrong by the tone of your voice. And he said, but don't be discouraged because at the six month mark, I guarantee you his brain will develop enough to get it and he will stop peeing and pooing all over the house. Six months, the week he turned six months, I marked the calendar to see if this guy was worth the $400 we paid him or if I was gonna get a refund. I marked the calendar and to the exact week that Oliver turned six months, he started scratching on the door to go outside and never once Peter pooped in the house again ever. His little brain, his little understanding had not been enlightened. He had to develop. So when we're talking about the eyes of your understanding, that means your spirit has eyes, right? Your body has eyes, but your mind, your soul realm has eyes. You are, your three part being, all of them have eyes. It's not just what you see with your body. Your spirit can see things. That's called revelation. But your mind can also see things. When I mean that mental, mental understanding and enlightenment can come to you. What do all the other religions focus on? Mental enlightenment. Because all they've got is mental. They don't have spiritual enlightenment because they don't have the Holy Ghost. We have the Holy Ghost. It's not just mental enlightenment. It's spiritual enlightenment. But if you get something in your spirit, let me ask you a question. How would you even know? Your spirit is down here. You're not going to know what's in your spirit unless your brain catches up with your spirit. Unless the eyes of your understanding are enlightened and you mentally know and see things that came from your spirit. Now your mind catches up with your spirit. Your soul catches up with your spirit. Now your body can act out in obedience what your mind, your will, your soul, mind, will, and emotions dictates to your body to do. Why? Because you got revelation in your spirit that was revealed to your mind. So if we don't teach people uh, how to get mind enlightenment 
from their spirits, not from some demon, not from some weird source, from your spirit, you're never really going to be able to walk out the plan of God for your life. Are you with me? So I want you to look at that phrase. I give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We could say, and it would be accurate to say, God gives us a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation. Now, where does that come from? Well, it comes from the Holy Spirit because he's the one that reveals things. Now, when he says wisdom and revelation, this is an interesting phrase, and I want you to listen to a quote here of Pastor Nancy, which I really love this quote. It's a blessing to me, because it really, for me, it's really been a help to my life, this quote that I'm about to read you. Uh, she said, uh, she said, actually, just recently, just a few months ago at the April prayer conference that I went to, she said, I don't have to figure things out. Oh, what a relief, because I can't figure almost anything out. That doesn't mean I had to put my brain on, on hold that I'd be an idiot. But, but, you know, there's a lot of situations I don't know how to fix. Believe it or not, there's a lot of situations in your life you don't know how to fix. I don't have to figure it, everything out. I just have to hear, listen to the words, I have to hear what is in the mind of God. In other words, I have to hear the wisdom of God. The mind of God is the wisdom of God. Are you listening? Let me repeat that. I don't have to figure everything out. I just have to hear what is in the mind of God. I have to hear the wisdom of God. Then she said, I don't have to form something in my mind. I just have to turn to my spirit instead of my mind and hear. I don't have to try to figure it out and form something in my mind all the time, especially when I'm at a roadblock and I don't know what to do. What I need to do is turn to my spirit and hear. Are you listening? If you'll listen to this, if you'll listen and do what I say, and I don't mean to say lightly, it will change your life. Because we are, we are talking about day-to-day living now. This is, this is everyday living, what I'm talking about. This applies to everybody in this room and applies to you every day of your life. You are going to constantly face situations you don't know how to fix. I don't know how to get a relationship. Maybe you want a relationship. I don't, I don't know how to raise this child. It doesn't seem to be working. My marriage seems to be not working right. I don't know how to do this. Something with my job. I don't understand my work. I don't understand my boss. I don't understand that. There's just problems there. Something with my budget. Something, I don't know what my body won't react. I don't know why it won't react to things. I'm trying to do this or I'm trying to do that. Could be health, could be weight, could be in a lot of different things. We are faced constantly interpersonal relationship issues. We are faced constantly with situations where we say, wow, that's a problem. And I don't really know how to fix that problem. Now you can pull out your confession list and that's fine. And that's good. And there's a place for that. But have you ever tried to slow down for a second and just take the pressure off yourself? I don't mean laziness, but take the pressure off yourself and say to yourself, you know what? I don't have to figure everything out. I don't have to form everything in my mind. Because if I could, I would have probably done it already. If I could figure out how to change this, I would probably have already done it. But I'm running up against a wall and the wall ain't moving. And I'm getting a little bit more concerned as the, every time I try to hit the wall, it doesn't move. What do I do? I don't have to figure it all out myself and I don't have to form some answer in my mind. That's what the sinner has to do but I'm not a sinner. I'm a covenant man. 
What I need to do is turn my, to my spirit and listen. Hear. That's where the answer is. Some of you, I look, I know because I've counseled you, you've you got issues with your work, you've got issues with your, your, your family, you've got issues with your, with your marriage, you've got different issues, and I'm telling you, some of it's common sense and logical, so don't be weird, just do what's logical and common sense first. But when you don't know what else to do, you don't have to figure it all out. I'm trying to, I mean, this should take a burden off you. You don't have to form an answer in your mind out of nothing. Why? Because you don't have to come up with all the answers. Why? Because you've got the genius who knows everything about everything who lives in you. So why are you going to totally rely on your brain when you've got the genius? You're not utilizing the mighty Holy Ghost because you want to do it your way. Humble yourself and say, Lord, I can't do it my way. And if I tried it and worked that good anyway, I'm tired. This is wearing me out. But hold on. My beautiful, thank you, Tanya. Thank you for the prophecy. My beautiful lion pastor told me. You're not laughing because you're backsliding. You didn't come on Sunday morning. That's why you don't know what I'm talking about. My beautiful pastor told me and quoted his beautiful pastor, who's actually beautiful. Uh, and she said, I don't have to figure everything out. See, so you need to remember this the next time you go through a problem. I don't have to form an answer in my mind. What do I, what, what do I have to do though? Do not be lazy. Do not ignore it and put your head in the sand. Are you listening? Don't put your head in the sand. That's actually not even an accurate statement. An ostrich, Lorraine, does not put their head in the sand. Do you know where that phrase came from? Just pause on the spiritual stuff and we'll talk a bit about Africa for a second. Do you know where that phrase came from, brother? Because from a distance, it looks like the thing's got its head in the sand. But he doesn't have his head. No, no animal is that stupid to put their head in the sand. Okay? Especially not the largest bird on the planet. They have a, a, a light hollow where they put their eggs. Those eggs are massive. And there's a light hollow so that predators can see the eggs from a difference because there's an indentation. And what they do is they put their head down with their beak and they move the eggs. So when you look at it from a distance, it looks like their head is in the sand, but it's not. It's moving their babies. So before you say accuse the poor ostrich of something he didn't do. But Christians, Jenny, do put their head in the sand. We have a tendency, we'll let you say, ignore it. If we ignore it, it will just go away. I've learned that most problems get bigger, they don't go away. So you can't ignore it. That's laziness. That's, that's, that's fear. Not, not acknowledging that what's happening is not an answer. In your marriage, with your boss, with your work, not acknowledging it is not an answer. That, that is just you being afraid and not wanting to deal with it. Why? Why are you afraid? Why don't you want to deal with it? Because you're so dependent on you. You have put the pressure on yourself to come up with all the answers, which you know you don't have, so it's better to ignore the problem and hope it goes away. That is not a solution. Remember Pastor Nancy's quote. Okay? I don't have to form an answer in my mind or figure everything out mentally. I don't have to. What do I need to do? So you have to do something, just not that. What do you do? Turn to your spirit and hear. What is the other way she said it? She said, all I, have to is, all I have to do is hear. I'm taking two quotes and mixing them into one quote. Hear what is in the mind of God. So 
let's put them together. Turn to your spirit and hear what is in the mind of God. Because your spirit knows what's in the mind of God. Your spirit knows a lot more than your mind does. You know, the real happy is not the one we see. Thank God. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the real happy is not the one we see. And you're very handsome, sir. Uh, the, real, the real happy is somewhere in his very flat, hardcore nine-pack nine belly. He you know, he got a nine-pack, not a six-pack. The real happy, Jennifer, is in there. His spirit man is the real him. What I'm seeing is his shell. And what I'm seeing with his words and the way he acts is his soul. But the real happy is inside. Do you understand? So when, 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 when happy turns to his spirit, he's looking inside because the spirit of God lives in his spirit. And every answer we're ever going to ever need is in happy's spirit. Are you listening? He doesn't have to figure it out. He doesn't have to form an answer. He has to turn to his spirit and hear what? What is in the mind of the Father? Because the Holy Ghost searches out the deep things of God and knows all things. The Holy Ghost who searched out the answers in the Father knows what the answer is for every situation for you and he's in your spirit. And he wants to tell you the answer but he cannot violate the system that he's employed. He is not, in most cases, just going to show up. What he wants you to do is turn to him. Turn to your spirit where he lives and hear what he has to say because when you hear him, you hear the mind of the Father, which is called what? The wisdom. The wisdom. The wisdom of God. Now, do you remember this? And I, and I said this to you before, but Solomon had a what? Remember, he said, make me wise. But then what does, that, what does that Hebrew word mean? Hearing heart. So what was he saying? Give me wisdom. But what does wisdom mean? A hearing heart. So basically, without the infilling of the Holy Ghost, Greg, Solomon was the most led by the spirit person of anybody in the Old Testament. Because he was led by the Spirit, but he didn't have the Spirit living in him because he was in a lesser covenant. We are all to be as wise as Solomon and more because the Spirit of God lives in us. He's not just on us like he was Solomon. But Solomon said, give me wisdom, which is what? Hearing. Can you in your mind make an, an equation with me so that it's easy for you? Wisdom equals sign hearing. Wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is not knowing how to fix a problem with your brain. That's later. Wisdom is hearing. So if you have wisdom, you're going to hear. Now watch. If you have a spirit of wisdom, you're going to have a spirit of hearing. Are you listening? The Holy Ghost is in me and he wants to speak. And he wants me to hear. So when I say, give unto me the spirit of wisdom, what I'm really saying is, Lord, help me to hear. Wisdom equals hearing. Lord, help me to, are you listening? Take your Tetris off your phones because I'm trying to help you. Lord, when you say, give me a spirit of wisdom, what you're saying is, Holy Ghost, spirit of wisdom, it's from the Holy Ghost. He's the spirit. Holy Ghost, cause me to have wisdom. Now, what, what does that mean? Because that's very highfalutin language that most simple folks like me don't understand. What does wisdom mean? It means to hear. 
Holy Ghost, give me the spirit of wisdom. Give me the spirit of hearing. Holy Ghost, cause me to hear. Are you listening? Pray for yourself and for others. Lord, grant unto them the spirit of wisdom. What are we really saying? Lord, cause us to hear. When you say that, that's what you're saying. Because I've learned that a lot of people say these things, right? They have no idea what they're talking about. They just hear these and they just say it, but they don't know what wisdom means. They don't know what they're actually asking. I like to know if I'm praying, what am I actually saying? Lord, give me the spirit of wisdom or Holy Ghost, Heavenly Father, cause me to hear. Are you listening? Because when I hear, when I have a hearing heart, when I turn to my spirit and I hear what is in the mind of the Father, not my mind, but I hear what happens. When I hear what happens, I get revelation. Yes. Why is wisdom mentioned before revelation? Because you can't get revelation unless you've heard. That's why it doesn't say, grant unto us the spirit of revelation and wisdom. It says, grant unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of your word. Jenny, I've got to be able to hear inside what the spirit hears the father say, what he's trying to say to me. I've got to hear it in my spirit man, not my mind, my spirit man. When I hear it in my spirit, what happens now? You ready? My spirit has heard and it bubbles up and it reveals revelation. It reveals itself to my mind. I have to have a hearing heart and revelation comes from hearing. Then the eyes of my understanding are enlightened. What does the Bible say? That you may know. That you may know. How are you going to know if your eyes of understanding, your mental faculties are not brought up to speed? How are your mental faculties brought up to speed? You've got to hear and you've got to have revelation. Then that revelation enlightens your mind. The way you figure out problems in life is not stressing, crying, whining, holding, trying to do it this way, that way, upside down, reverse. I mean, that's the human tendency of survival and, and problem solving. But if you're not figuring it out that way, remember Pastor Nancy, you don't have to figure it all out yourself. You don't have to form an answer in your mind. If the answer's not there, it's not going to come because you worry about it. It's not going to come because you sit up all night trying to work the numbers again. And it's not going to come sometimes because you talk to the person you're having a problem with until they're blue in the face. I don't, communication is important, but at times it's overrated. And at times it's not. I'm talking about in a marriage. Jenny can talk to me until she's blue in the face, but if I don't see it, So communication is important, but what's more important? Revelation. She should tell me because you can't be lazy. You've got to talk as a couple. But if I'm not getting it, what does she need? She needs to pray that I get revelation. Do you know that you can actually pray for your spouse to get revelation? Do you know that I've prayed things for my wife over the years and said, Lord, I've tried. She doesn't seem to get it from the way I'm saying it. But I know in this situation, not in every situation, but I know in this situation, I'm seeing it right and she's not. So I'm asking you to give her the spirit of wisdom. Let her hear. And therefore, when she hears, she'll get the spirit of revelation so that the eyes of her understanding would be enlightened so that she would know how to fix this thing and how to tweak this thing in our marriage. And Jenny has done that for me 
many times. Jenny, how many times? We've lost count. We communicate, we try, but this doesn't seem, I'm, I'm trying to help you. We communicate, we try, but this doesn't always work that way. Because sometimes we're stubborn. Sometimes we're hard-headed. Sometimes we're insecure. Sometimes we're wounded. Sometimes our childhood is affecting it. Sometimes a lot of things are going on and you don't understand, but you just don't get what this person that God has given you is trying to say. And so you can talk and we have to communicate, but then the communication at a point ends its effectiveness. Because the person ain't getting it, the person ain't getting it. You can try to explain it now 16 different ways to Sunday, and if they're still not getting it, they're still not getting it. To keep talking now becomes harassment. Then you call the police and ask them to arrest your spouse. I told her, don't make arsenic pancakes because I'm not going to heaven early. If she don't get it, or if I don't get it, but there's been many times, Jenny, in our wonderful years together, that I haven't got it and that she hasn't got it. No matter how much we communicate, we just don't see it the same way. And I'm right. And if she had the mic, she would say, and I'm right. And every one of you are thinking, you're right. And there's usually somewhere between the both of you that's right. But when I pray for her, Lord, you got to show her. Do you understand? And you can't pray the wrong kind of prayer. Lord, you have to show her to make me breakfast in bed every day of my life. That, that's not <laughs> accurate prayer. <laughs> but seriously, though, there are certain things that we need our spouses to see. And Jenny has prayed, Lord, you need to show him. Because I've tried and he won't listen. Or he won't get it or whatever the problem is. And there's stuff, Lord, you've got to show her. But what do I pray? I pray for her in the spirit because I'm praying out mysteries for that situation. But I also quote this verse, Father, give unto her a spirit, the Holy Spirit, give unto her Holy Ghost, a supernatural ability to hear, a wisdom that is a hearing heart and revelation, because when you hear, you'll have revelation. And Lord, don't let it stop there, but keep praying. Don't quit. Don't quit there. That the eyes of her understanding would be enlightened. Lord, get it from her spirit to hear and to have revelation. And then it get up into her soul and to her mind and her brain. Let it open up. Let her eyes see that she would know. And it's astonishing how this works. It, it works astonishingly. Because every answer you need is in your spirit, whether you realize it or not. You have a brain and you have logic and use that logic. But carnal Christians only trust this. Spiritual Christians have learned to turn to this. Are you listening to me? I'm teaching you stuff that you're going to use for the rest of your life. This is stuff that is an everyday life. You need to get this scripture so ingrained inside of you. It's like branded on the inside of you. Because Paul said, pray this all the time. Dad Hagen prayed this every day, multiple times a day for years. And he said that is why he got the sermons he got. And that's why he got the revelation he got. Is because of these kind of scriptures. Father, grant unto me the spirit of wisdom. Now, what am I saying when I say that? Lord, cause me to hear. Cause me to, I can't figure it out with my mind or form an answer in my mind. But if I turn to my spirit and hear what is in the mind of the Father through the Holy Ghost, you listening? If I hear that, all of a sudden I'm going to know what to do. So give unto me the spirit of wisdom. Let me hear, let me know. By what? Revelation. Show me by revelation. 
I say that to God every day. Lord, teach me by revelation. Let me see it by revelation. Let me hear it by revelation. Lord, I need revelation, so let me hear it. Let me hear what you're saying. Let me know what you're saying by the inner witness or the inner voice, but let me know it. Let me hear it. Let me see it in my, in my spirit. Let me hear what you're saying to me. So I would know and have revelation with what you're saying to me. Then open up my mind that I would catch up with what's going on down in here. So to the end of what? That I would know, that I would know, that I would know how to run the church. I would know what countries to go to. I would know, listen up congregation, I would know how to handle offerings. And you better listen up because I'm upset with some of you. Because some of you have got words back from some of you. You're complaining in, this, you're complaining in the bathroom to each other. Well, his pastor asked how many offerings. Oh, God, don't ask any more offerings. He's asking so much. about. You better watch your mouth. You better watch it. Because you are standing against what the Holy Ghost is doing. And you're being a blockage. Because of your small-mindedness and your, and your chintziness. I don't ever say that about my pastor. I have to trust that my pastor has heard. And she has revelation because she heard. And her mind is caught up because she heard. And if she takes an offering, it's because God asked her to take an offering. When you stand against me, do you understand how, how bad that is? When you get opinionated and you get, con, con, you, it's not convenient and you don't like it and it's stretching you too much. If you feel that way, don't give. But don't stand up and talk to people about why is pastor asking for so many offerings. That's wrong. Because what you're really saying is, Holy Ghost, why are you asking for so many offerings? Who are you to question him? What you need to do is trust me that I am hearing with revelation how to handle this thing. And there's a lot of pressure on me a lot of the time. But I'm learning to cast that care over onto the Lord. Why? Because I don't have to figure it all out. And I don't have to form every answer. I have to turn. So I said to the Lord last week, I'm just letting you know for you guys that get offended. I, let, I said to the Lord, I said, I said, Lord, I don't want to ask not one more penny from this SAP. I don't want any more saps. I said, I don't want it. Because I sense they're tired. I'm tired. I don't want to ask anyone. I don't want that stupid thermometer anymore on that screen. I want to see where that thermometer is. I don't really care where that thermometer is. I said, Lord, I will take money out of some other source. I'll borrow it from somewhere. I'll do something. We don't have it. So I'm going to, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do, but I'm tired of asking them for money. And I said, unless you tell me differently, I'm going to have to figure this out another way. Because I don't want to ask any more for offerings. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, you will not. Mm. Because I have an aviation fund. And I thought, well, maybe if I don't train as much, I can save some money on the aviation fund and I can take that money and pay for the renovations. And I, the Holy Ghost was upset with me. And he said, you will not do that. You will ask the people and I will touch their hearts. And I said, but Lord, I feel the pushback from some of them. And he said, you will ask the people and I will touch their hearts. Now for me to violate that instruction that I heard and I got revelation and my mind is caught up with what the Father wants through the Holy Ghost by my spirit to my brain. If I don't ask for an offering, I will get in trouble with God. 
So before you judge me too quickly about asking for offerings, maybe you should trust that if I'm asking, you can darn well believe that God has told me to ask. And if you don't want to participate, don't, but don't be sharing your opinion with other people. You will cause division and disunity in this church. And if you do that, God is going to hold you accountable and you'll open the door to sickness. You try to mess with this anointing, you're going to open a door. The devil will come in and he'll hurt you. And I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just saying you can't stand your ground in your dominion when you've got a big mouth flapping and trying to turn people against me. It don't work that way. It does not. Your dominion does not work that way. You've got no confidence if you're an opinionated Christian. And some of you got way too many opinions. You need to die to that. When it comes to this vision, it has on my shoulders alone. Do you realize that my wife, who's a co-pastor of this church and taking more responsibility than before, she still walks with great fear and trembling around me and I'm her husband and she sees all my faults and failures and she'll say to me, I don't really know if I should say this because a little while ago she started getting a little bit opinionated and she would say, uh, I don't like that and I don't like this and I don't like that and she was even partially right and God got on her and God got on, remember Jenny, God got on her strong and God said, don't you touch the vision. Don't you dictate that to your husband. He's your husband, but he's also your pastor. You let him run with that vision. Now, if I tell you to correct him, then you correct him. And she has by the spirit of God and I've received it. But don't get opinionated because you don't like his personality flow or this little thing or that little thing because I've anointed him and he is the leader of this church and don't get in the way. Now, for my own wife, who's the co-pastor, to understand reverence with my office and not to speak against when I say I've heard God tell me something, she would never in a million years, being my wife, knowing my failures, she zips her mouth. How much more the rest of you who are not my wife and don't know everything? I'm sorry. I mean, offend you all. But anyway, sometimes I just, I just shake my head. I just shake my head. And I say, Lord, you see, I told you I shouldn't have done the offering because they're all upset. Not at all, but some of them upset. He said, I don't care if they're upset. I told you what to do. I'm trying to get some of them that are broke and some of them that are struggling. I'm trying to get them into a, a land flowing with milk and honey. And the only way it is seed. It's the tithe and it's seed. I'm giving them a chance and they won't do it. You better take the chances God gives you. And if you don't want it, stay quiet. Pray, but don't tell other people. You're, you're violating a spiritual law and you're going to get in trouble with God. And if you're convicted in your heart right now, then inside your heart, you need to repent. And if you're angry with me right now, it shows that you're the one to blame. The ones that are angry right now sitting here and are feeling, that proves that you need to repent. Because if you weren't, if you didn't do anything wrong, you wouldn't be upset. Deanne, you're not upset. Because she don't talk against what I'm doing. Sometimes this is called pastoral discipline. Three out of four, I've been instructed by the Apostle Paul to correct you. One out of four is to encourage you. Sometimes I do the reverse opposite. I encourage you more than I correct you. But we want things to be right in this church. We want God to flow with us. We want to obey the Holy Ghost. We got to talk about that because I don't want disunity in this church. If you don't want to participate, just do it quietly. But don't try to, don't try to complain to other people. It's dangerous. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. You think I planned on saying that? No, sir, Bob. That's not what I want to say. I want everybody to be sweet and happy. And just as you're leaving, just tears rolling down your streets. Oh, I love Pastor Rick so much. Oh, God. That's what I want. 
I don't want, I don't want to talk like this, but when I hear the Holy Ghost say, say it now, then I better say it now. Hallelujah. Jennifer, am I still within the bounds of safety? Okay, because you're with me later if I'm not, so. <laughs> I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to form an answer in my mind. I have to hear, I have to turn to my spirit and hear what is in the mind of the Father because he knows everything. What is that called? I hear with wisdom. I have wisdom, I'm hearing. What am I hearing? I'm getting revelation. What is your biggest problem? You can't hear. Your problem is not money. Your problem is you can't hear. Are you listening to me? Your problem is not money. Your problem is you can't hear. I started a business some time ago. That business, I only did, God only lets me do 12 hours a month. But man, I take every last minute because I really need 30 hours a month. But he only said to me, he said, like doctor, I'll give you one day a month. He didn't tell me how long a day was, but I used to work a 12 and a half hour shift at customs. So I would say, that's okay. So he said, okay, 12 hours a month. That's all you can do it for. So I'm very limited and I don't have a lot of time to do it because I got to focus on the ministry. And boy, I was putting effort into that and that thing started to boom. We started to make money. It started to come in. In addition to our income, it was a blessing. Then all of a sudden, to nothing. Dried up, shriveled up like a nasty old grape. Nothing. Months are passing. Nothing. Months are passing. Nothing. 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 N-O-T-H-I-N-G. Nothing. And I started getting upset because I knew that God had authored it. What's my problem? Is my problem business? Is my problem understanding business? That's maybe part of it, but what's the main problem? I can't hear. My problem is hearing. The answer is down in here. But I'm up here, stressing, because I've invested certain money to make money. And now the investment's not working. And I'm not making the money the way I should be making the money. Do you understand? That can be stressful. And I don't want that to creep into my ministry call. It's fine if it's working and I give it 12 hours a month. I don't think about it the rest of the time. But it's not fine when it's not working and I'm thinking about it all the time because that God doesn't want that. So what is my problem, Taylor? I can't hear. My problem's not money. Neither is yours. Neither is any problem. Anything we ever go through, it's hearing. God has the answer. It's hearing. That's the only problem we ever have is we can't hear. How do you hear? We could add a little bit of cutting some meals out while you're doing that. You can get into the word and start to devour it more while you're doing that. You lift up your hands and praise while you're doing that. You pray out the Pauline prayers while you're doing that. There's not one ingredient. There's many ingredients. But if you will just do the ingredients, you will hear. And over time, it took time. And I know, Pastor Happy, I don't know if you know it yet, because you're so sweet and nice, God probably never gets mad at you. But God gets mad at me quite a bit. So you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. But I know when, you know when Jenny don't talk to me? I know some of it, that silence, that has barbs to it. That ain't sweet silence. She is annoyed. You know what I mean, Taylor? You probably don't, Corinne always talks to you. Um, Tyrone? No, you're perfect too. I can't even find somebody who's not perfect. But anyway... Rob's perfect. Everybody's perfect. But somebody who isn't perfect. Okay, Greg. Greg. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. 
You know when Sonia looks at you like that, you know she don't need to say a word. She ain't happy. Silence has a voice. And I know when God's silent sometimes, he's silent because he's upset with me. And it was like that for months. He was silent. But I set my heart to hearing. I set my heart to hearing. How do I do that? Father, I thank you that you give me, regarding this business, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. You give me a hearing heart that I would know, that I would see, that I would know. My mind needs to know. I have a right to know. I have a right to know. I'm a covenant man. I may have missed it, but correct me. I'll take it, Lord. But I got to know. I got to hear. My problem is not the business. My problem is hearing. It took some months, but then God spoke to me. And he said, I'm displeased with you. I said, I know you're displeased. That's why you've given me the silent treatment for so long. And I said, what did I do? And I won't say everything, but because it's not appropriate to say out loud. But he said, you started bragging about your business to people. I mean, not you guys, but other ministers that I know in the States. You started bragging talking about how awesome this is and so amazing and I'm so great. And look what you would say, look what God's doing, but you really mean, look what I'm doing. And he said, I heard your words and I cut the supply off. I'm telling you, he was upset with me. He said, and I said, Lord, I, I did it. You're right. I was excited. It felt like how could money come this easy? Because when you're in a business that God's ordained, it just hap- It just works. I said, but I, got a, I did get a little bit arrogant, Lord. I didn't mean to, but I did. It was probably out of a heart of excitement more than a heart of arrogance. But Lord, you're upset with me. I'm arguing with you. And I shouldn't have said some of those things I said because they were statements of arrogance. And I said, I truly repent. See, a hearing heart. He had to show me what I, where I'd missed it, where the faucet turned off. And then he showed me. He said, now it's going to take a little bit longer because you missed the cycle. When you miss the on-ramp, you can't just break through the barrier to get back on the 410. You've got to go down to the next on-ramp. And that could take months. I'm talking about the parallel. And he said, you've missed this. It's going to be a little bit longer, but I'll tell you when. And I was with Randy Greer. I, never, I was standing on the tarmac with him, and God spoke to me. We, had just, we were doing an inspection on the plane when I was down there to train, and God spoke to me. He said, now, the time is now. I'm going to open the door again for you, but you better watch your mouth. You better watch what you say, to who you say it, and how you say it. Because I've authored this, and I'm going to bless you from this, but there's a price you're paying. You're losing things because you can't speak right. Are you listening to me? And so he showed me, and that thing started working, and it's not near where it was before, but we'll get there eventually. Because sometimes when you lose all your momentum, it takes time to build up that momentum and that pace again with financial flow. Do you understand? There's timings, there's momentum, there's pace. There's a lot of different things in the kingdom of God. And your words can sh- shut things down. Your attitude can shut things down. You better stay humble. If God blesses you and makes you rich, you better stay very humble about it. Because one thing that he hates more than anything is pride. And when he blesses you and you start trying to show it off and now you got your Instagram and everything is this a thing you bought and that thing you bought and look at this thing. Look at how great I am. God hates that. He wants humility. He doesn't want words or actions that are trying to show off and let other people see how great you are. He does not. The world loves that. God does not like that. The fastest way to cut his blessing is to be a show off and be arrogant. Humble yourself. And just guard your mouth and your tongue. And we got back in. That thing started working again. I'm not even close to where I was before, but at least the heart is pumping again. 
at least now very slowly I'm seeing life starting to come. It cost me two years. Two years of income. Two years of extra income and I was blessing. I wasn't just us. We were using it to bless other people and bless Africa. I'm not just squandering that on myself. We were using that. So what did I do? By my mistake, I actually cost other people their supply because that was funding other things. It wasn't just funding our family. It was funding other things. And, and those people need that supply. But because of my mistake, I robbed them of their supply as well as me of my own supply. But I would still be in that problem if I hadn't heard. I had to hear what the problem was. Well, how do I fix the problem? And it takes great humility to receive correction from God. If you can't see receive correction from me, how are you going to receive correction from God? I corrected some of you tonight about your attitude. You better receive that from the right heart because if you can't receive it from a man with skin on who's much lesser, how are you going to receive it from God Almighty? Well, what you're going to find is he just won't talk to you because you're too proud to receive his correction and the proud he holds off. He knows it far off. If you humble yourself to receive correction from your pastor, it means you're humbling yourself to receive correction from the Lord and he'll draw you close because the humble he exalts and he gives grace to the humble. You get arrogant and you reject me, you're also rejecting his correction because I'm his man. So how you respond to your pastor matters to God. It even affects your relationship with God. Are you listening to me? I'm trying to help you. Talking about hearing, Jenny. Hearing has changed our marriage. It's changed our marriage. Can I say this, Jenny? I feel the Holy Ghost prompting me to say it. it's 857. But there was a time, I don't like to share our, our laundry, but there was a time where the, an evil spirit was dispatched from hell to cause us to get divorced. It was doctor when doctor was alive. We were going through very serious issues. I hadn't done anything. like It wasn't like me and her had committed some moral failure or sin or anything like that. We were just struggling. And couples do struggle from time to time. And I'm pastoring the church. And Dr. Dufresne came up the year that he died, in 2013. He came up and he said to me, I want to, I want to, I want to eat with you alone. I thought, well, that's an honor. No, it ain't. <laughs> Just means he's going to whip you. And he don't want your wife to hear him whip you. Wow. He don't want Pastor Nancy to hear him whip you. He said, I want sashimi. He loved sashimi. Yes. So I took him to wasabi. It's since closed. And we had sashimi and we sat at that little booth and he looked at me straight in the eye and he said, I have a word for you. I said, yes, sir. And he said, there's a demon spirit from hell that has been dispatched to kill your marriage. And he said, and you are opening the door. Now, he didn't say anything about her, which I thought was very unfair. <laughs> but he dealt with me and he told me where I was opening the door. And I was because I was being stubborn in certain things. I wasn't yielding to my wife where I should have. And so he said, now you need to repent of that. But then he said, you need to come down to Pastor Michael Jacobs' church. I'll be there in two weeks. And listen, watch how the prophet operates. He said, now I could rebuke it now, but the anointing's not here to rebuke it now. Now we have dominion all the time. Don't get me wrong. But he said, I know by the spirit in those services, there'll be an anointing to deal with the spirit of divorce. <laughs> we got to learn this stuff. Now, we have authority all the time, but see the spirit he heard. He didn't just lean across and say, I mind that. Now, he could have, but he heard. The spirit said, wait, there's an anointing in the meetings. Don't do it here. So he said, you come down. I said, I'll come. And he said, what I'll even do is I'm going to pay for your hotel. I said, Dad, you don't need to do that. He said, I'm going to pay for your hotel. 
He said, I'm going to pay for your food. He said, just get on the plane and come down. I'll pay for everything else. I need you in those meetings because your marriage is too important to the kingdom of God. And there's a demon that is assigned to kill it. Sometimes you think you're fighting and you don't, you just think it's natural. Sometimes there's spirits attached. Not all the time. Don't just go now and say, well, I told you it's a devil or honey, you're the devil or whatever you want to say. I didn't say it's all the time, but sometimes it is. And we got down in those meetings and that anointing, do you remember that service, Jenny? That anointing came on him and he said, those of you, and he said, and there was other pastors there. It wasn't just me. He said, those of you, that spirit of divorce is trying to come into your, into your marriage. Get up here. And Jenny and I went up there and he laid hands on us and he severed it by the power of the anointing. And from that minute forward, everything started to improve and change. And our sweetness of marriage has grown ever sweeter from that day forward. In fact, we have a much better marriage now than we did even before then. And it's been 10 years since that happened. He heard, tell Craig there's a demon. He heard, don't deal with it now, deal with it then. He heard, pay for Craig to come. The answer is not the marriage problem. The answer is hearing. The answer is not the business problem. The answer is hearing. The answer is not your body that is sick. The answer is hearing. Hearing. Because I was having eye trouble. I bind this, I bind that, I bind it. And I believe in that and it works. But it wasn't working. My binding and loosing wasn't working for the eye trouble. I said, Lord, I know this works. I said, but if it's not working, which it does, but it's not, don't, get, don't throw out your salvation because it's not working. Listen. I said, Holy Spirit, could you tell me please what's going on? And he spoke to me. He said, you're eating this thing and it's causing the eye problem. He spoke to me. So I stopped eating that thing, and within 24 hours, the eye problem was gone. But then I still, when I went back to him, and I said, now that's an allergy of some kind. I said, I don't stand for no, no stinking food allergies. He said, yes, but you asked me what the problem was. I told you what the problem was. See, see how we, we think, see, now you'll take that and say, God told me not to eat that food. That's not what he did. I asked him, what is the problem? And he said, that food is the problem. He didn't tell me not to eat it. He just told me what the problem was. Don't, don't add things to what he says. So then he says, well, if you want to be healed, ask me to heal you. <laughs> I know it sounds so silly, but he told me what the problem was. I stopped taking that. Everything cleared up. But then I thought, I don't want to, I don't want to live my life not being able to eat that for the rest of my life because it's not a bad food. It's just my body, something was wrong. So he said, well, I told you what the problem was. I didn't tell you not to eat it. If you eat it, you're going to have the problem. If you don't eat it, you won't have the problem. I said, but that's food allergies and I don't, I don't believe, I, 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 won't, I, won't, I won't live with that. My dominion is too great for that. And he said, well, that's fine. Then use your dominion. But I wanted to tell you what the problem was. So then I started to use my dominion. So I bind that food allergy in my body. I sever you. You will not stand. But with food allergies, sometimes it's instant, sometimes it's a process. So I started taking a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, and I'm at about 80% now where I can eat that without any issue. And I will not quit till I get to 100% because I am not going to live my life not being able to eat or drink certain things because the devil tells me I can't. Food allergies are from hell. You just give up because you don't have faith. Don't you ever let things decide what you're going to do and not going to do. Well, I can't drive in the snow because I'm afraid. Then the devil's letting you, dictating that thing to you. Yes. Your dominion will work. But you notice, I had to hear yes. what the problem was in the natural. Yes. But then I had to also hear the instruction how to get rid of that in the spiritual. And it takes time. Not everything is instant. 
So you've got to be willing to hold your ground. Or just don't eat the food for the rest of your life and you'll be fine. Depends what you want. Some people, it's more important. Their faith is on so many things, Taylor. They don't have the energy to put their faith on that food because they're just trying to keep, like Dad Hagen said, listen, Aretha, if you want to believe for the kitchen curtains, believe for it. But if I believe for that, everything is going to fall down. I'm at my limit. Some people are at their limit. So just don't eat the food if you're at your limit. But I'm not at my limit. I'm going to knock that thing's teeth down its throat and I'm going to eat that for the rest of my life because it's not an unhealthy thing. It's just something my body was rejecting. But my body is going to receive all things when received with thanksgiving for it has been sanctified by the word and prayer. And I will not yield to anything less than that. Amen. Are you listening? What is your problem? Hearing. If you can hear in your spirit what the mind of the Father is in the Holy Ghost, because he searched it and he knows. If you can hear that, you will have a revelation of what that is. Your mind will catch up and you will know what to do. So stop whining and start hearing. Stop complaining. Stop being afraid. Stop wanting to quit. Stop taking all the pressure on you to fix everything. Just hear. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I thank you that our problem is not anything but hearing because the answer is in us by the Holy Ghost. And if we can just hear, we will know exactly what to do every time. But it takes an effort and it takes time to develop a hearing heart. We've got to learn much praying in the Holy Ghost, much humility, much submitting ourselves under the mighty hand of God, which includes submitting to our natural pastor. It includes many ingredients, but if we will set our heart to hear, we will hear, we will have revelation because we hear, and we will know in our minds what to do because we've heard. And when we know, we can act on what you say. Lord, it works in business, it works in marriage, it works with children, it works with our health and body, it works with interpersonal relationships, it works with the spiritual realm, the natural realm, every realm, it works. Our problem is very simple, Father. We don't hear enough. So let us hear by the inner witness and by the inner voice what you are telling us. And we will find the solution to everything we will ever face. Let this revelation go down deep in them tonight. In Jesus' name. I thank you for that angel. I thank you for that angel. I thank you for that angel, Lord. Yep. Thank you, Lord. That angel standing right here beside me. And the Holy Ghost said, he's here for that sap. He's here because you didn't quit on that. You obeyed me and I'm going to bring that money in, son. So angel, I release you to go now in Jesus' name. Cause all that money to come. If I was up to me, I would take money out of another fund. But God said to ask for the offerings. God's giving the people a way out of their poverty. Angel, go cause it to come in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. My God, thank God for the gifts of the Spirit. In Jesus' name. Mm, 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 mm. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody bow your heads just for a second before I close. And I just want you under your breath. I feel the Spirit of God prompting me to do this. Under your breath. I don't want you to say it out loud. I don't want the person beside you to hear you. So you can say it in your heart or just whisper it under your breath so that nobody can hear you. But I just heard the Holy Ghost say, have different people, different couples that are struggling in this service to humble themselves and repent. God is trying to help marriages. He's trying to bring peace in marriages. And if you keep fighting with each other and being arrogant and proud and just going 
bucking your heads together. You will not solve it. It will get worse and worse and thoughts of divorce will start to come. So everyone that's a married couple, whether your spouse is with you or not, I just want you to close your eyes and I just want you to say, Lord, in your, in your heart, Lord, is there anything I need to repent of? Is there anything I need to humble myself regarding my spouse? Lord, if I haven't treated her or him right, if I've been too aggressive, if I've been too controlling, if I've been too dogmatic or too, whatever it is, I repent of it right now. Father, I'm to submit to her and she told to me. And if, if whatever your gender is, it doesn't matter. If it's a woman, you're saying, Lord, I need to submit to him and he's to me. If you're a man, I need to submit to her and her to me. Because the Bible tells us in Ephesians 5 that we are to submit to one another. Long before it says, women, submit to your husbands, it says, submit to each other. So, Heavenly Father, we choose to submit to each other now. We repent of hard-heartedness, of control, of anger, of blame. All of those things are works of the flesh, and they will produce nothing but bad fruit. Father, give us a hearing ear. Let us hear, let us hear, let us hear how to solve those marriage problems. Let us hear and give us revelation where the spouse and where us individually need to adjust. And we thank you, Father, that you fix those marriages. You fix those marriages. See, I, I'm happy to end the service, but I heard him say, I want to help marriages tonight. Have people close their eyes, bow their head, and in their hearts, repent for their role. Forget about your wife or your husband's role. Your role, you deal with yourself. God will deal with your spouse. I ask that you humble yourself to do that because nothing makes a marriage sweeter then submission to one another, then gentleness, not a heavy hand, kindness, submission. And I mean woman to men and men to woman as well. My wife and I have a sweet marriage because I submit a lot to her and she submits a lot to me. And we don't make a mountain out of molehills. We keep our eye on the prize and we do the word and we, we humble ourselves before each other and apologize and repent when we're wrong. And I encourage every married couple in here to do that because God wants your marriage to be sweeter. So thank you, Holy Ghost, right now. That mighty anointing goes into every marriage relationship that is represented within the sound of my voice. And where there is healing, begin to heal it, Father. Where there needs to be things, that divine scalpel of the Spirit to remove things and to change things and reposition things, Lord, do it. We thank you for strong and healthy and wonderful, sweet marriages at Promise of Life Church. We thank you for humble people that humble themselves before their spouse and before the mighty hand of God. Exalt these marriages, Father, for you exalt the humble, and we give you praise. Hallelujah. Thank God. If you made that little adjustment in your heart, you go home, you'll see it'll start to get better. Praise God. The Lord is so good. The Lord is so good. Praise God. Father, thank you for this teaching tonight. Thank you. It goes into good hearts and that they are doers of it and not hearers only. We don't have any problems. Our only problem is hearing. We give you praise in Jesus' name.